everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Lights Out Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. As always, I'm joined in the studio by my producer, Joel. And today, we're going to be diving into the world of haunted and cursed paintings. Have you ever been at somebody's house, maybe a museum, or maybe an Airbnb, where you just come across a painting and your first thought is, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Yeah, it's happened so many times. Or what's worse is when you're laying in bed in somebody else's bedroom and there's just a creepy painting on the wall. (laughs) And as you're laying there, you start to think, is that thing moving? (laughs) Is, you know, and sometimes in paintings, it could just be something abstract or there's Mm -hmm. actual images of of, uh, humans or whatever else, animals. And sometimes you can get both trippy, but also scary at the same time. Your brain can definitely play tricks on you. Have you ever had a, a painting just totally creep you out? Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of paintings that's creeped me out, but one in particular was your wife's old, you know, parents' like house. Like her childhood home? Childhood house. And uh, right there in the bathroom, right next to the living room, you know, by the by the mirror, there's this creepy old, you know, looking girl, like girl or younger girl, or just had black eyes and just like the painting style was just, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't no, even put I know words what you're talking about. That, that just that whole bathroom kind of always yeah. creeped me out because it was like old wallpaper it's like in there, vintage, from like, like from the 1800s or something. And it was just the creepiest painting, and it completely just changed my my whole demeanor a little bit. You know, I'm just like, oh fuck, totally get that. <laughs> yeah, what totally about you that. though? Um, there's definitely been I've been I've stayed in a few Airbnbs that I've just like, why on earth would you have this painting in here? Like. It just looked like almost like a devil. Like it's like somebody tried to paint um, almost like a almost like this sort of ram skull, mm-hmm. but it just looked way more demonic. And I was just like, why would you have this in here? Are you asking for bad reviews on Airbnb? <laughs> yeah. Are you trying to scare your, <laughs> your tenants? Yeah. But the idea of like cursed paintings is really interesting because, I mean, artists don't necessarily set out or, you know maybe they do sometimes but they don't set out to sort of make a painting creepy or Mm -hmm. um you know try to curse it in some way in order to then you know pass it off to people and have people have experiences that get a hold of this painting but it's interesting that some of these paintings we're going to cover today the artist was like have has no idea why this painting all of a sudden has become haunted or people have really really weird experiences with it so it's just an interesting thing. And I mean, it could just be everybody's interpretations different, but some of these experiences that people have with some of these supposed cursed paintings are, it's really hard to just say, oh, well, that's just your mind playing tricks on you or, or something like that. But it's just like, is there more going on? Mm-hmm. You know, is there something, you know, could you paint with intention and that intention sort of makes this painting come alive in a sense? Yeah, I th- it's possible. But I think the painting itself is almost welcoming to any type of bad energy if if that's how the painting came across or if that's... Or if it was painted with like ill intent or they were like angry or they were going through something traumatic or they're painting some sort of scene of death or, or, uh, you know, something that represents evil. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because like a lot of horror movies out there, I mean, for example, The Nun. Yeah. um, And some of the Conjuring movies, you know, they, they have the picture of the you know the mm-hmm. painting of the nun and it seems like sometimes the evil spirits are able to come through some of these paintings yeah and so it really makes you wonder if you paint a picture of a demon are you then inviting that demon to come and possess that painting uh yeah, guess we'll find question. out because i have a I, I have a print of valak on the way from belgium <laughs> right now that we're gonna we're put up here to the studio which again i mean valak is a made-up demon and i would yeah. never put like Oh, you know, I would say like, this with quotes, but a real demon, like a picture of Beelzebub or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would never do different. that because I would just, I feel like you're just inviting something yeah. negative to come. And I, I'm, and I mean, some people even think that just by having these skulls around mm-hmm. me, that I'm inviting negative entities yeah. or spirits to come join us here. Mm-hmm. And low key, I am. But, <laughs> but again, I, yeah. I mean, I don't want anything. I don't want anything negative to happen to me or anybody else here. And, right, right. And certainly. 
you know, none of my employees. So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting though. It's, it's one of those very controversial topics. I think the idea of objects being haunted yeah. or paintings being cursed. So that's what we're going to dive in today. We have some really interesting stories and some very spooky and disturbing paintings to look at because let's remember many believe that these paintings connect the spirit world to the waking world. Nobody knows how or why, but several works of art throughout the years have haunted the corridors of hotels and homes alike. Some even resist fire and cause bad luck, while others carry the spirits of the dead through an endless nightmare. Oh, can't <laughs> wait to get into that. I do have a few things I wanted to mention just before we get into this episode. First of all, a lot of you have been asking where the merch went. Well, we had to, We the merch site went down because we're moving everything from sort of a third party that we were working with on March to bring it sort of in-house into my warehouse and my store. So we're working on relaunching merch and hopefully we can get that back up and running in the next week or two so that you guys can go and purchase merch. We'll also start working on our next collection uh, for the next, uh, hopefully for summer is what I'm thinking. Um, So I just want to let you know, merch will be coming back very soon and I'll definitely let you know when uh, what the new website is to go and purchase that from also my cbd and wellness company higher love has actually just released our pet product line and if you're somebody out there who is just like you know what i don't need cbd it doesn't do anything for me or it's just not i'm not interested well if you have a pet out there pretty much every animal can benefit from cbd in some way i mean cbd can help pets with anxiety They can help them with joint pain, arthritis, inflammation, uh, mood, appetite. It has a lot of the same sort of benefits that CBD provides humans. It also provides animals. Well, now we offer CBD dog biscuits and oatmeal flavor, which are really, really good. High quality, all organic ingredients for that. And we also have a CBD pet tincture oil, which is really nice. I actually really like the oil for just sort of daily supplement for my, my animals. Uh, This is safe for dogs and cats, by the way. And basically, we have a chicken-flavored oil and an unflavored oil. And you can either, you know, try to drop it in your animal's mouth directly. That's fine. But most animals are going to just turn their head away and be like, I don't want that because Mm -hmm. you're sticking a little uh, pipette in their face. And they're like, what are you doing? So what I do is I just take it and I just drop some over their food, Mm -hmm. and which is an easy way to do it. And they end up getting the CBD and they just eat their food like normal and they don't even know it's there. Yeah. And it works really well. It, it really, really does. does. And I mean, it's one of those things it's, you know, some vets will say it's, it's really good. And some vets are a little bit more hesitant to recommend it, but I mean, it's literally everywhere now. CBD's everywhere. It's in all the pet stores. So if you want to try some really, really high quality stuff that is, that works well on my animals and everybody else's yep. animals here at the office. It worked really well on my Pomeranian puppy and really helps mellow her out. And I just glazed it on one of her bacon strips with the oil. There you go. That's that, it. That's it. That's all you got to do. It'll get a few extra hours of some nap time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the worst thing that can happen is if yeah. you give your dog too much CBD, they're just, just going to take a off. really good nap. Yeah. So it's, it's very, very safe. It's very, very beneficial to them. There's a lot more information on our website, but again, that's at higherlovewellness.com. We also have got all our full suite of human products as well. And we give all of our listeners here at Lights Out 10% off with code Lights Out. So go check it out. We are now shipping to the United Kingdom. So all the countries in that, the US and Mexico, and hopefully back to Australia and New Zealand soon, and maybe one day Canada. But let's go ahead and jump right in to our first supposed haunted painting called The Hands Resist Him. The Hands Resist Him by artist Bill Stoneham is one of the most famous haunted paintings out there. In 1972, Bill based the painting on a photograph of himself at five years old. At the time when he was painting it, he didn't really think too much about it, but as time went on, the painting has taken on more of a supernatural awareness that would haunt people for decades to come. The painting depicts a young boy standing next to a female doll in front of a glass door. A dark room waits behind them. It's pitch black, but just on the other side of the door, haunting images of hands press against the glass underneath a faint moon in the distance. The disembodied hands grope at the door as if they're begging the boy to let them through 
into the other side. According to Bill, the doorway behind the boy represents the dividing line between the waking world and the world of fantasy. But the pitch black world of fantasy doesn't seem quite like the fun tales of Narnia. It feels like a more sinister realm that will potentially corrupt the young boy. The doll beside him is meant to be a guide that can escort the boy through it, but she's small and doesn't seem like she would be able to protect him from the horrors on the other side. The artist said that the disembodied hands pressing against the glass represent the alternate lives or possibilities to be found inside the world of fantasy. The painting was first displayed at Fine Garden Gallery in Beverly Hills, California. It was first purchased by actor John Marley, who played the role of Jack Woltz in The Godfather. After John Marley passed away, the painting was found years later inside of an old brewery in California by an elderly couple. They didn't know how long it had been abandoned in the old brewery, and they wondered why someone would ditch the painting. They didn't think that the painting might have been ditched for a very good reason. But after having the painting in their house for a short time, they soon realized why, and they decided to auction it off on eBay in February 2000. They noted that it carried some kind of curse, and the description claims that the painting itself was haunted. The couple said that the young boy and the doll moved during the night. Sometimes they even exited the painting and entered whatever room was nearby. The couple also included a series of photographs in the eBay listing that they claim to be evidence of the female doll threatening the young boy with a gun. The couple even added a disclaimer in the listing that said they weren't liable for any harm done after the painting was purchased. But the warning had an opposite effect on potential buyers. Of course, instead of turning away buyers, it just made more people interested in acquiring the painting. There's a lot of people out there that are like, curse painting? I would love to add that to my collection. News of this haunted painting spread across the internet, and users forwarded the eBay link to their friends and families and wrote about it on their blog pages. Many people just viewed the listing on eBay claimed that by just looking at the photos that they would feel sick or sometimes even have unpleasant experiences. Others said that chills would run through their bones and their heart rate increased at the sight of the boy and the doll. The eBay auction page was eventually viewed over 30,000 times and the painting went viral and it became known as the eBay Haunted Painting. The initial bid started at $199 and after 30 bids it sold for $1,025 to Perception Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The gallery later contacted the artist Bill Stoneham and told him about the unusual events surrounding it. And Bill was shocked by all the stories and the strange paranormal activity reported. And when he heard that the elderly couple thought the doll was holding a gun, he clarified and said that it was only a dry cell battery and a tangle of wires in her hand. But the strangest part about the painting is that the owner of the first gallery the painting was displayed in, along with the first art critic who reviewed it in the Los Angeles Times, both died within one year of coming into contact with the painting. It was clear that some evil energy had fused with the painting and could affect anyone at will. After word got around, someone contacted Stoneham in 2004 and wanted him to paint a sequel. So he accepted the commission and painted Resistance at the Threshold. This painting depicts the same boy, but he's now 40 years older. The disembodied hands have come through the glass behind them, and one hand can be seen peeling the face of the doll beside the man as she levitates a foot off of the ground. From within the room, a swarm of hornets flies towards the man, and it seems like the world of dark fantasy has finally broken into the world of the waking, much like what happened in real life with his first painting. Years later, another sequel was commissioned in 2012 called The Threshold of Revelation. The man this time can be seen pulling a strange creature from a mystical pool, the doll beside him is now a human girl, and she holds a doll mask in her hand. Birds fly around them in a strange fantasy landscape of sewage and flowers, and it makes you wonder if the man finally stepped through the doorway into this dark fantasy realm on the other side. In 2017, he painted another piece titled The Hands Invent Him, 
where the boy is seen on the opposite side of the original glass door with a paintbrush in his hand. The silhouette of the original young boy and the doll are on the other side of the glass. The small moon hangs from a tree branch like a decoration, and the scene might suggest that the artist has created his own waking nightmare. In 2021, he ended the series of paintings with a painting titled What Remains. It depicts the original painting setting, but now it's deteriorated and scattered with skeletons, debris, and the dark remains of what happens when the portal between the waking world and this fantasy world is opened. A pair of feet hang from the ceiling, possibly suggesting a tragic end for one of the original characters. The next haunted painting we're going to take a look at is one that hung on the wall in thousands of homes in the mid-1900s. The Crying Boy is a painting by the Spanish painter Bruno Amadeo, who went by the name Giovanni Bragolin. His painting gained so much popularity that it eventually became a mass-produced print, widely distributed from the 1950s onward, and more than 50,000 prints were sold in northern England. Many alternate versions of the painting exist, all depicting young boys and girls crying. And after decades of being in circulation, many claim that the print had a curse. As the story goes, the original painting is said to depict the painter's son. The artist used the child's fear of fire to make them cry. And when the boy couldn't hold back his tears, he screamed and told his father to burn himself alive. On September 4, 1985, the British tabloid The Sun reported that a firefighter from Essex named Alan Wilkinson claimed that he kept finding copies of the painting inside the ruins of burned-down houses. But what was weird is that the copies were always in pristine condition, surrounded by rubble and ash. He reported that 50 different house fires had the crying boy inside the homes, dating back to 1973. The first house reported by the son was owned by the couple named Ron and Mary Hall in South Yorkshire. Their house they had lived in for 27 years burned to the ground after a fire spread from their chip pan in the kitchen. Almost nothing was left of the house, but the crying boy painting survived, completely untouched. Ron and Mary immediately blamed the painting for the fire. Another anonymous reader of The Sun sent in a horrific story about the painting haunting their house. She said right after she bought the painting, her son had somehow caught his private parts on a hook. Another woman claimed that her husband and three sons had died since she bought The Crying Boy in 1959. And story after story began pouring in, and people no longer thought that their countless tragedies were just a coincidence. One reader tried to destroy two of the paintings by throwing them in a bonfire, but after leaving them in the fire pit for over an hour, they remained in near-perfect condition. Day after day, people in the UK became convinced that the crying boy wasn't an ordinary painting. The South Yorkshire Fire Service tried to remain calm, and they told everyone that the painting was difficult to burn because it was made of high-density hardboard. But despite their best efforts, thousands of people feared the painting and their fear spread faster than a house fire. By the end of November 1985, so many people believed that the painting was cursed, that the sun organized mass bonfires to destroy the paintings. And people from all over the UK sent in nearly 2,500 prints, and the sun's offices overflowed with copies of the cursed portraits. They hoped they could break the curse by destroying every copy of the painting they could find. With the help of page three models, which are women who pose topless in tabloids, they burn as many copies as they could at a local pyre. But even after the mass burning, rumors about the painting refused to die. An urban legend spread around the country, saying that the crying boy in the painting was a hoodlum that once roamed the streets. His name was Don Bonio. When he was just a child, he had watched his parents burn alive in a house fire, and ever since then, he never found a home. And no one wanted to take him in because wherever he lived, fires would randomly ignite inside of the house. And every time he saw a fire, Don was reminded of his two parents burning alive, watching their skin sizzling and popping right before his own eyes. After hearing about the troubled boy and his tragedy, an artist decided to paint his portrait one day. But soon the artist's studio mysteriously burned to the ground. And after that, no one had heard about Don for years. 
but in 1976, firefighters responded to a call about a car being on fire. The driver of the vehicle had crashed into a wall and exploded on the outskirts of Barcelona. When firefighters arrived, the car was completely engulfed in flames as they could feel the heat radiating from the car 20 feet away. After a few minutes, they eventually put out the flames, but they spotted something in the front seat. It was a charred body, unrecognizable from the burns. The driver's skin was burned to black ash and their hands were still gripped to the steering wheel. They had survived the initial crash, but they were trapped in the car as the flames engulfed them. Their hands melted to the steering wheel. As firefighters searched the car, they found part of the driver's license in the glove compartment. It was partially destroyed, but still readable. And that's how they identified the victim as 19-year-old Don Bonio. And after the urban legend spread around Britain, a British writer and comedian named Steve Punt began investigating the curse on a BBC Radio 4 program called Punt Pie. He tested the painting at the building research establishment where they found out that many of the prints had been treated with a varnish containing fire retardant. They also discovered that a string held the painting to the walls and the string would be first to deteriorate in a house fire. This meant that the painting would fall from the wall and lay face down on the floor, which would protect it from the fire. But despite these discoveries by skeptics, people still believe in the curse. By the year 2000, many believed that the child's name was not Don, but Diablo, and he naturally resists fire, just like Satan can resist the fires of hell. Dr. David Clark, an expert on the UK's legends and folklore, wrote an article about the painting several years ago, and after he published it, people began begging him to take their paintings from them. Many believe that if they try to destroy the painting, something terrible will happen, so they don't know what to do with it. Many turn the painting to face the wall or hide it under a bedsheet in the attic. And while some are trying to get rid of their copies, others are buying them online for over $100. The sellers describe the painting as a rare collectible, and many skeptics are willing to hang the crying boy in their houses made of dry wood, regardless of the decades of house fires. The next painting we're going to look at is a haunted painting that is over 100 years old. This painting is called The Dead Mother, and it was painted sometime around the year 1900 by the artist Edvard Munch. He's also the artist most famous for his painting, The Scream, which inspired the mask for the killer in the movie Scream. Tragically, his mother died from tuberculosis when he was just five years old, which obviously took a heavy toll on him, and the rest of his upbringing was spent in an abusive household with his father, who was a religious fanatic. The childhood trauma he experienced can be seen in many of his paintings, and many believe that the spirit surrounding that pain lives within the paintings. The dead mother depicts a young child covering her ears with a wide-eyed expression. She looks scared and helpless as her back is turned to a bed where her dead mother lies on her back. The mother's face is pale and withered. Her dead body sinks into the bed. Edvard Munch once said that sickness, madness, and death were black angels watching over his cradle. It wouldn't be surprising if one of these black angels haunts the painting of the dead mother. People who have owned the painting over the last hundred years have claimed that the young girl's eyes follow them across the room. Her look of fear and confusion follows them wherever they go. Sometimes the sheets on the bed even rustle and move. Other times the girl disappears from the painting entirely leaving the dead mother alone in the room. People have also reported that they can hear the sheets of the bed rustling quietly, as if the mother is coming back to life. Many believe that the feeling of anguish that the artist felt when his mother died is trapped inside the painting forever, and anyone who looks at it can feel that anguish tear right through them. Let's talk about the portrait of Bernardo de Galvez. Bernardo de Galvez was a Spanish military leader who played a critical role in aiding the American colonies during the Revolutionary War. He was born in 1746 and died in 1786 at the age of 40. He became such a renowned hero after the Revolutionary War that the city of Galveston, Texas is named after him. Although his legacy is now marked with horror, the portrait 
of Bernardo de Galvez sits on display in the Galvez Hotel in Galveston, Texas, which is said to be one of the most haunted places in the entire state. The portrait hangs in one of the hotel's corridors where guests and employees have spotted ghosts in the background of photographs and have felt invisible apparitions grasping at people's ankles as they walk by. The portrait, though, looks totally normal. Depicting Galvez in an embroidered uniform with a military medal attached to his left chest, he holds a document in his left hand, and his right hand sits on his hip. Nothing about the painting suggests anything malicious, but somewhere along the way, an evil spirit found its home within the painting. Many people have claimed that they feel extremely cold and uneasy when standing near the portrait, and that Bernardo's eyes follow them along the hallway. But the strangest part of the portrait is that if you don't ask Galvez permission to take a picture of his portrait, but do it anyway, the picture comes out blurred and distorted. And some believe that you'll be cursed forever if you don't ask permission. The next painting we're going to talk about depicts the gruesome imagination of what happened after an exploration voyage mysteriously disappeared in the Arctic. Man proposes... God Disposes is an oil-on-canvas painting by Edwin Landseer. He was inspired to paint it in 1864 after Franklin's Lost Expedition, which was a British Arctic exploration voyage of two ships that departed England in 1845. They were meant to traverse the last remaining sections of the Northwest Passage into the Canadian Arctic, and their goal was to record magnetic data for a better understanding of navigation. But unfortunately, the Arctic seas were too treacherous for them. Both ships and their crew, 129 officers and men, became icebound in Victoria Strait in what is known today as the Canadian Territory of Nunavut. And after being stranded for more than a year, the men abandoned the two ships in April 1848. The frozen sheets of ice crowded the waterways, and nothing could be seen for miles and miles. Only white blankets of snow and freezing water surrounded them. By this point, the captain and two dozen other men had died. They had run out of supplies, and the Arctic weather only got worse as time went on. The rest of the men set out for the Canadian mainland and disappeared. After a search party headed out in late 1848, they recovered several relics from the expedition and two dead bodies that were eventually returned to Britain. Scientific studies determined that the men did not die quickly and that their downfall was long and painful. Many believe that they died from hypothermia, starvation, lead poisoning, scurvy, or general exposure to a hostile environment. Some of the bodies had cut marks on their bones, suggesting that some of the men might have resorted to cannibalism in their desperation. Nearly 20 years later, the painting was created, depicting two polar bears among the wreckage. One of the bears is seen tearing at the sail with vicious teeth while the other chews on human bone. Among the wreckage is a red duster flag, a sail, human bones, and a telescope. The painting is said to represent nature defeating British imperialism, but it doesn't look like much of a victory. Many think that the painting is haunted, especially the students at Royal Holloway University of London, where it now hangs. As the story goes, sometime during the 1920s or 30s, a student sat at their desk near the painting while taking an exam, when they decided to take their sharpened pencil and stab themselves in the eye. They stabbed themselves so hard that their eye popped open and blood poured out onto their desk all across their exam papers. They slid out of their chair and fell to the floor. After bleeding out, they eventually died from their wound. On their exam paper, they wrote a suicide note that said, The polar bears made me do it. Which is obviously referencing the polar bears in the painting that hung on the wall nearby. Since the 1960s, students have claimed that anyone sitting in front of the painting during an exam will fail it. And since the painting is seen as a bad omen, a tradition soon formed at the school and during the 1970s, one of the students covered the painting with the first thing they could find before taking an exam, which happened to be the Union Jack. So now before every exam, students always cover the painting with a Union Jack in fear of failing the test, or something far worse 
happening. So that leads us to probably the scariest looking painting on this entire list. And my personal favorite, the painting known as The Anguished Man. Before we dive into that though, I'm going to take a quick break to gather our senses and we'll be right back. Let's talk about The Anguished Man. An unknown artist created one of the scariest paintings on earth called The Anguished Man. This painting depicts a red man with no eyes. A look of anguish and terror covers his face. He looks less like a human and more like someone's soul being ripped from their body. Decades after its creation, Sean Robinson inherited the painting from his grandmother who had kept it in her attic for nearly 25 years. She claimed that the painting was evil and that she had seen the dark figure of a man lurking around the house. At night, she heard strange noises and the sound of a man weeping, and he still experiences paranormal activity when it's in his house. So much so, that he has started a YouTube channel called The Anguished Man, and I'm going to go ahead and play some of the highlights from this channel, so you can see firsthand some of the things Sean has experienced with The Anguished Man. The next haunted painting we're going to talk about is called The Stagecraft or The Hanging Man. In 1994, a commercial photographer named James Kidd displayed his photograph in a gallery in Tombstone, Arizona. The photograph depicted an old stagecoach at a stop in Tombstone. He accidentally took a double exposure photograph with another wagon in the foreground because he didn't wind his camera again before taking another picture. So the photograph was a composite of two pictures, but he liked the way it turned out. One of the pictures was an old wagon with a barn in the background and the other one was a modern-day tombstone stagecoach, and both images were fused together as one. After the photographer developed the photo, he noticed something strange on the left side of the image. A headless man stood just to the left of the wagon, and James didn't remember a man being in either of his original photographs. The headless man appears to be standing on a log wearing a faded coat, pants, and boots, and he looks like a ghost fading into the background. James claimed that the photograph was examined by Kodak professionals to prove that he hadn't doctored it in any way. And while it hung on the wall at the gallery in Tombstone, an anonymous painter only known as Laura approached James and asked if she could do an oil painting of his photograph. She painted most of her paintings with reference photos, and she was inspired by his strange picture. So he said sure, and allowed her to do a painting. So she went back home to Sierra Vista, Arizona and began working on a 16 by 20 inch oil painting. When Laura was about halfway through the painting, she started getting a strange feeling. She began questioning herself, wondering why she even wanted to paint this picture in the first place. She was drawn to the haunting image for some unknown reason that she couldn't explain, but she pushed through and ended up finishing it. But after she was done, strange things began happening and she knows the events were always centered around the painting. Laura didn't believe in ghosts, but she couldn't explain why these things were happening. She ended up framing the painting and a few others to put them on display inside of an office building. About three days later, people from the office called and asked her to take the ghostly painting back. When she asked why, they explained that every morning they came to the office, the painting would be crooked. They would straighten it out every day but every morning when they arrived, it'd be crooked again. They also noticed that appointments were scattered and papers went missing. So Laura eventually took the painting back, and sometime in 1995, Laura and her husband moved to Tennessee. They were hoping the strange events would stop, but since they took the painting with them, the haunting followed them there. There was a hole in the roof of the garage of their new home that made a leak when it rained. On three separate occasions, roofers came out to repair it, but each time they couldn't find the cause of the leak. 
They tried to patch and repair certain areas, but nothing they did stopped the roof from leaking. When Laura's husband asked where the ghost painting was, she found it leaning against the wall between the living room and the garage, so they decided to move the painting, and once they did, the garage roof never leaked again. On another occasion, Laura was making dinner one evening. They had an island bar where she set the table, and she grabbed the salt and pepper shakers and set them down on the bar. When she went to call her husband for dinner in the doorway, she turned around and noticed that the salt was spilled all over the island and on the floor, but the salt shaker was standing upright in the exact position she had left it. There were no animals or children in the house, so she couldn't explain why or how the salt was spilled, but the painting hung on a wall not far away from where the salt shaker stood. On another day, Laura and her husband sat in the garage talking to one of their young neighbors, a little girl who had come over to visit. On the garage wall, they had hung three dried starfish, and they had hung them up with secure roofing nails so they wouldn't budge. There was no draft or wind in the garage, but suddenly the largest starfish came flying off the wall and landed on the concrete floor near them. It flew about six or seven feet with no explanation. Most of the events that happened around Laura seemed harmless at first, but soon they got violent. One day Laura and her husband were doing some yard work when they went into the garage to take a break. Her husband said he would mix some drinks and he returned with two thick gold-colored glasses that had ice cubes in them. He prepped and served the drinks and they drank them. When they finished those, they both agreed that they wanted another drink. So her husband went back into the house to mix two more and he came back out and she took the glass. After one or two sips, she noticed that a large shard of glass had broken from the top of the cup and the break in the glass was sharp and jagged. She hadn't noticed it before when she asked her husband about it. He said he didn't knock it into anything. The room was razor sharp though and dangerous, and if Laura had taken another sip, she would have cut her mouth open. When they looked around for the shard of glass that broke from the cup, they never found it. When Laura would tell her friends about the strange events, they didn't believe her. Her friends at the local beauty shop wanted her to bring in pictures of the painting to see for themselves, so she did. One of the women bragged that she didn't believe in ghosts and she thought it was all just silly nonsense and that the rest of the women didn't even want to touch a picture of the painting. One of the women bragged that she didn't believe in ghosts, and she thought it was silly that the rest of the women didn't even want to touch a picture of the painting. She took the picture in her hand, though, and looked at it closely and laughed. But when she returned home for the night, an old clock that had been hanging on her living room wall for nearly 40 years fell down and smashed into a hundred pieces. Although she was skeptical at first, she knew it must have been the work of the haunted painting. One day, Laura's neighbor asked if she could show his mother-in-law a photo of the painting, as they had heard the story of the haunted painting and they wanted to see it for themselves. Laura gave him a photo, but told him to be careful, and he took it back to his home and left the pictures lying on the table. Him and his mother-in-law started playing a three-handed card game where a dummy hand had to be dealt where no one was sitting, but when they picked up the dummy hand, every single card was in one suit, which won the game. This coincidence scared them to death. He put the photo away for a while, and a bit later he got up and went outside to move the sprinkler when he saw a white, hazy figure come around the corner of the house, and this figure, he claims, looked exactly like the headless man in the painting. It stumbled across the lawn, heading straight for him, so he ran back inside to safety, and when he returned to Laura, he said he never wanted to touch the pictures ever again. The haunting event at Laura's house was a knock on the front door. Her and her husband both heard it at the same time, a loud, abrupt banging. But what was weird was that their two German shepherds didn't react to it at all. Normally, they were always alerted to someone at the door, and even the slightest bit of noise would get the dogs going. But this time, they didn't even move. And when Laura approached the front door and opened it, nobody was there. As of November 2021, the painting still hangs in Laura's house. They've had a few people ask to buy the painting, but Laura's afraid to sell it. She's worried what would happen to someone else if they came into possession of the painting. But even after all of this, Laura still doesn't believe in ghosts. But she said if she had to do it all over, she would have never created the painting in the first place. And she still has no idea why she was inspired to make it in the first place. The next painting we're going to take a look at is called Love 
Letters Replica. This painting is one of the most haunted paintings in the world, and it hangs in the historic Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas, and it's a painting surrounded by tragedy and death. Colonel Jesse Driscoll opened the hotel in 1886. He was a compulsive gambler, and he lost the property in a poker game two years later. He passed away in 1890, and many say that his ghost roams the halls of the hotel. Sometimes a faint smell of cigar smoke clouds the halls, and he usually appears in front of women. Many more paintings hang in the hotel. Some of them show old Texas cowboys, or the sprawling countryside of Texas. But on the fifth floor of the hotel, there hangs a painting with a haunting reputation. It's a modern replication painted by Richard King of an older painting by the artist Charles Trevor Garland. The original painting was titled Love Letters, and it depicts a little girl holding flowers in one hand and a letter in the other. She has a smile across her face that seems friendly at first, but the more you look at it, the stranger it becomes, as if a menacing spirit is disguised under the face of an innocent child. And the horrific story that surrounds this painting dates all the way back to 1887. A four-year-old daughter of U.S. Senator Temple Leah Houston was running through the hotel, chasing a ball that had rolled down the hotel staircase. As she ran down the steps, she lost her footing. She then tripped and fell all the way down the stairs, breaking several bones along the way, and she never recovered from those injuries, and she died soon after her fall. The legend says that Samantha Houston's ghost haunts the painting of the Love Letters replica, and somehow her spirit fused with the painting after her death. Some claim that after looking at the painting, looking away, and then looking back at it, they've seen the little girl's expression change. Her smile shifts slightly. It's almost unnoticeable, but if you look for long enough, you can see small changes. Others get a nauseous or dizzy feeling when looking at the painting, or they even feel like they're being levitated into the air. Some even claim that the little girl has tried to speak with them, or they see a ghost of a little girl chasing a ball down the stairs. Many believe the painting has imprisoned her spirit, and she can never leave. And those that sense a haunting presence believe that the ghost of the dead girl is forever connected to the painting at the Driscoll Hotel. Although she's never harmed anyone, it doesn't seem like she's very happy that she's still trapped there. Another cursed painting was created by the artist Svetlana Telitz. It isn't as popular as some of the other haunted paintings, but those who have come across it say that it is the most cursed painting in the world. As the story goes, the artist created the painting in less than five hours, and she felt that during the whole process, something beyond her consciousness guided her hand. Many believe she was in an automatic state, where she painted the entire thing at a subconscious level. Others believe something or someone else forced her to paint it, She's admitted that she's always felt that someone was with her, and one day she had the urge to make the painting. She believes the woman in the painting is the ghost of whoever watches over her. The painting depicts a long-faced woman in black clothes and a black hat. Her eyes stare downwards, and behind her the weather is streaky and gray. Supposedly the painting was up for sale several times, but after it was bought each time it was always returned. Currently, it hangs inside of a salon on the streets of Kiev. Many of the customers who visit the shop claim that you can watch the woman smiling, or other times she has a look of anger across her face. The first person to buy the painting was a lonely businesswoman, and she hung it on her bedroom wall, and after two weeks she called the artist late at night, and she begged for her to take the painting back. She told Svetlana that she felt that someone was in the apartment with her, and even after she took it off the wall and hid it behind a cupboard, she still had a feeling that something or someone haunted her apartment. So the artist took it back. The second person to buy the painting was a young man who also returned it quickly, and he didn't even take his money back. He told Svetlana that he kept dreaming every night that there was a shadow of a woman walking around him. It started driving him mad near the brink of insanity, so he decided to give the painting back to her. The third person to buy the painting was a man that was completely skeptical of the cursed painting. But like the others, he quickly returned it when he started seeing the lady's eyes everywhere in his apartment. They were no longer stuck to the painting. They would just show up on walls, mirrors, and windows. The eyelids would slowly open, 
and follow him wherever he roamed. He also began having intense headaches whenever he was in the room with the painting, so he quickly returned it to Svetlana. She still doesn't believe that her painting is haunted, but she does believe that there is some woman connected to the artwork that she can't fully explain. And with that, that leads us to our last painting, which, creepily enough, doesn't actually have a name. It's just simply known as an untitled nightmarish painting. The Polish artist Zedzinslaw Beczynski surrounded himself with concepts of death and channeled that into his horrific works of art. Many of his paintings depict gothic doomsday scenarios, and many of them deal with the emotions surrounding death. This one depicts dozens of frail bodies, skeletons, moving through a room towards a doorway that's been bricked up. Faint images of spirits and faces can be seen floating above. A single lifeless mass sits at the foot of the blocked doorway. The painting itself might be haunted, but the story of the artist is even more terrifying. In 1998, the artist's wife, Zofia, passed away. And a year later, on Christmas Eve 1999, he discovered the body of his son lying lifeless on the floor as he had committed suicide by a drug overdose. And years later, on February 21st, 2005, the artist was found dead in his Warsaw apartment with 17 stab wounds in his body as he was brutally murdered by his caretaker's son after the artist refused to loan him $100. He spent much of his life inspired by the concept of death, and it stalked him everywhere he went, even to the very end. As you might have learned today, Many different paintings have haunted the hallways, living rooms, and bedrooms across the world. Some date back to the 1800s while new ones become infused with paranormal spirits every day. Some are stored in attics covered by bedsheets, but others are displayed out in the open. Some might even be hanging in your house and you don't even know it. Nobody knows exactly how paintings become haunted or why, but there must be some connection to the spirit world and the waking world as an artist puts their oil paint to canvas. So how do paintings become haunted? Is it during their creation? Or is it because they were once near a horrific situation? Or maybe it's a combination of different things. What do you think, Joel? I think it's a combination of those things, but in particular is after the creation of the painting. And, you know, there's this third dimension where we can't see where all the spirits are at, but it's possible that they're already in the area where the painting was at. And then they got attracted to it because they were able to connect to the painting as opposed to connecting with a human being. And then once they get into the painting is when, you know, they see an apparition or, you know, hear noises and things like that. It's able to manifest itself. Yeah. In a more physical way. Right. Once it's able to inhabit a physical mm-hmm. object, it grows its strength through the painting first. Yeah, I think I think sometimes spirits are drawn to certain objects, like yeah. you just said, and that, and that makes a lot of sense. I do think though that sometimes the paintings where the actual painter themselves had some sort of traumatic end mm-hmm. to their life. Yeah, I really do believe that if you experience something traumatic especially some an untimely death or a traumatic death you that energy that residual energy that's left over in that place where it happened can sometimes attach to something yeah and oftentimes it's something that you were close with or loved or adored or like a painting spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time with that it would make sense for some of that residual energy whether it's negative or positive to then move into or however it connects Mm -hmm. to that object sort of giving it life in a way beyond death it's the spark the the entity is looking for right and i mean whether it's a an entity or just a uh some form of energy yeah you know what i mean like sometimes not every like i don't necessarily believe that every haunted object haunted painting in the world is some an actual human spirit that is inhabiting it or is at the level where 
the spirit is identifiable uh, I as, see what you're as saying. a particular person right. or being from you know this world or others and rather it's i feel like you know what i believe is that energy in itself if you look at sort of i think love is what ties everything together i think love and energy are are one and the same and so i think malice anger rage mm-hmm. is a offshoot of that and that that form of energy just like positive energy equals love negative energy equals anger pain rage those things and therefore it's not necessarily a identifiable energy that's inhabiting the object but rather the emotion mm-hmm. emotional energy gotcha which is the essence of everything that connects all of us yeah right is what is left over and then that energy manifests itself into these different forms and that's Mm -hmm. why it's always like falling over you know because it's like if it was something as complex as a entity or whether you call it a demon an angel whatever you want to term you want to put to it then i feel like paranormal experiences would be a lot more terrifying in in the real world obviously in movies they're able to make us believe that but in the real world it's very rare that a doll becomes haunted and is able to communicate with you in a human form right right right? and is able to speak or say things or hear things like that like that's very rare yeah that paranormal investigators capture audible human voices and and out of all the paintings I think that anguished man painting was just so interesting because once it was within that space of whomever's home, whoever had it, they claim to see like a shadow man or some type of entity, so to speak, that, you know, they can not only see, but they can hear and they can pick up on this like evil type of energy. Right. And again, the anguished man is, uh, clearly the painter who used his blood supposedly into the painting and then killed himself could be trapped his energy his spirit could be trapped within the painting Uh and he's not able to release himself from it and he's only able to manifest any sort of feeding off of the you know the sort of experiences Mm -hmm. that this spirit's able to create so that's why this painting is so haunted so much so that Sean has a whole YouTube channel <laughs> yeah. with millions of views actually right. of all of his experiences with it. Cause there's just, it's like trapped. It's like, I'm, I'm angry and pissed off. Mm-hmm. My death was horrific. And I, I create, it's almost creating a tomb for himself right. within this painting. And, and so it's like, well, maybe, you know, how do you, re- you know, there's a lot of ideas of how you release that spirit and, you know, maybe it's time to go and, put this guy into a fire or something yeah. and just be done with it. But so I get the, how there's paintings that have different types of energy attached to them. They could either be super severe or they can be, you know, lower in the, in the energy spectrum where the owners aren't seeing that, that much like activity right. as the right. anguish man. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Just different levels. Right. Yeah. Cause based on what happens around it or what happened to the person that created it, or you know what happened nearby it Mm. i mean really affects it i think yeah but then there's just some of them that just make no sense at all like there's just no like no rhyme or reason for why it's it's haunted Mm -hmm. you know and and those are the ones i'm more skeptical about because it's like okay well it's very easy for anybody to get a creepy looking painting I mean, I could go on eBay right now and I typed in haunted painting and there's, <laughs> there's endless prints uh, and paintings that are just creepy, but does that in turn mean it's haunted? No. No, not at all. But people like to say it's haunted because it's just a creepy painting, so you just assume the two are connected. Right. But that's the thing is like until you can prove otherwise, and, and that's where the anguish man really stands out to me is he's got video footage oh, yeah. of it doing weird shit and things happening, doors closing, it's really, you know, is it really haunted or is it just in your head? Right, right. Because it's very easy to stare at a painting and then shit starts to move, <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, you start psyching yourself out. Smoke a little green and look at a painting <laughs> for a while and it's going to it's oh. gonna start moving on you and Dude, tripping you sure. out. And, you know, especially if you 
you know, dive into the world of psychedelics and uh-huh. look at paintings, then it's like the shit's alive. Like, <laughs> right, it's breathing. You can, you can really like get lost in it. So, uh-huh. I, I mean, I honestly love paintings and, yeah. and old photographs because I think I think they're they really do like whether they capture spirit or haunted. Mm-hmm. They do capture a story. There is a story behind it because somebody created it from their imagination, and they they really it's like a piece of somebody with you. Yeah, and. When I was younger, I used to think art was like the dumbest thing. I was just like not interested. (laughs) I was like, fuck art class, art history. Hell no. I would just, I wasn't interested because I didn't see the value in it. Mm -hmm. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that art is so important because it's, you're capturing something that's really uncapturable, which is your imagination. And the only way to capture the imagination is to put it down on, Mm -hmm. on paper canvas and, the things that people come up with and the things that are birthed from your imagination, which is a whole other yeah. thing of like, where's that coming from? You know, where, what's your imagination pulling from? Mm-hmm. Where are these ideas coming to create these paintings in the first place? Yeah. That's it's just point. such a really cool, really trippy thing to think about. Of like, uh-huh. How did the how did the anguish man come to be? Somebody painted it, mm-hmm. but how did he come up with the look? How did he come up with how it was going to be? And that's the that's what did the that all stem part. from? Yeah, and that came from his head. But then, that thought in his head—where did that thought come like, from? Is right. there another? Is there another realm that he got this mm-hmm. idea came from, and manifested in his head, and then it manifested to the canvas, and now it lives on, and now this painter lives on through this anguish man. It's really <laughs> yeah, crazy, it man. Is and it's crazy, like man. you could think that every painting that is old mm-hmm. has history to it is haunted to some extent i mean whether it's manifesting real paranormal activity it is still possessing the imagination of the actual painter themselves yeah in and because that wasn't there that did not exist right, right. in this world you can't go find that anywhere but in this painting so it's like painters like van gogh i'm, I'm saying that like i know a lot van gogh the only <laughs> painter i know of um off the top of my head yeah yeah his paintings are there's nothing else like it there's nothing else that exists that looks like van gogh paintings and so therefore van gogh lives on through his art Mm -hmm. and in a way you know i'm sure there's story there's paranormal stories around that too so it's interesting that you know we focus on the ones that sort of do things and people have unpleasant experiences with but in a way a haunted painting could provide positive experiences too and, and get leave you with joy or paintings can bring you to tears when you mm-hmm. look at it. So it's like, in essence, I'm, I guess my point is, is that all art mm-hmm. in, in some way, shape or form is possessed or haunted in some way because it, the painter mm-hmm. or the artist lives on through their work right over the years, which is kind of cool. It is. So yeah, ver- very well explained (laughs) hopefully that made sense that does make sense yeah if it makes sense to you i hope it makes sense to all you out there but that's just kind of my thoughts on art in general and i think it's very interesting that that all these paintings have such different histories and Mm -hmm. and different things going on with them and i think there are people out there that do use haunted as a marketing term oh yeah it's very easy to sell it's a lot easier to sell a haunted painting than a non-haunted painting yeah because there's always people out there that are online searching for haunted objects haunted paintings so i 100 percent believe that people do use it in sort of a just a marketing way whether or not the paintings mm-hmm. actually causing paranormal experiences but then once they get the painting it's a bust i mean they're like oh right, okay right. like exactly it's like okay all marketing it's just yeah just something they put on the label mm-hmm. and there's nothing evil or paranormal about it so just one of those things you know it's it's i think it's good to be skeptical of people that claim that things are objects are haunted but at the same time and from my point of view you know in essence all objects or artwork are haunted are possessed by the ones that create them so that is my my thoughts on that but we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode on haunted paintings there Make sure you let us know which one creeps you out the most. Which story behind the painting creeped you out the most? Or which one do you think 
carries the most truth with it? We'd love to know. Let us know in the comments on YouTube. You can also follow us on social media. Let us know there. It's Lights Out Cast. And we are on TikTok now, which is very cool. If you haven't followed us on TikTok, the link is below. But it's just, you can find us at Lights Out Cast there as well. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And yeah, check out the Higher Love Wellness Pet Line. And we will see you guys in our next episode of Lights Out. Until then, Lights Out, everybody. <laughs>